As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome to Passion and the Plague, a podcast from The Independent, where we take you back to a lockdown long ago. It's 1348. As the Black Death sweeps across Europe, a group of friends flee the Italian city of Florence to quarantine in the countryside. They tell each other stories to keep themselves entertained, and the idea of Giovanni Boccaccio's Decameron, one of Europe's great literary achievements, is born. In this series, you'll hear 10 stories from the book, read by people in self-isolation across the country as we tackle the 21st century version of the play. Today's episode is Griselda. Enjoy. On the 10th day, Philostrato was king. And once they'd walked a long way, chatting about what they would do with their lives in the future, the sun being hot and high, our friends returned to the garden, rinsing some glasses in the fountain and drinking the sweet water. After their rest, they met in the same place. And Filostrato, whose chosen theme was constancy and love, asked Elisa to begin with her story. Long ago, one of the most powerful of the Marquis of Saluzzo was a young man called Gualtieri, who, being without wife or children, spent his days hunting and hawking, and never ever thought about marrying or starting a family. And this is why, it said, he was thought to be a very clever fellow. His people were not at all pleased by his attitude, though, and time and time again begged him to take a wife so he would not be left without an heir, and they without a lord. They offered to find him a wife of noble parents to guarantee she would be a credit to his family and from whom only good fortune and happiness could spring. Gualtieri, finding all this a bit impertinent, would answer them, My friends, you ask me to do something I've no desire to do. Don't you know 
how hard it is to find a woman who will fit well with the way I live. How many there are who will do the exact opposite, in fact. It's ridiculous to suggest that because a mother or a father is a certain way, their daughter will be too. How on earth can you ever know what the father or mother are truly like? And even if you could, daughters don't always take after their parents. But since you insist on shackling me in this way, I will do as you ask. But I'll do the choosing myself. And I tell you, whoever she may be, if you do not honour her as your lady and mistress, you will see how bad it will be for you to have insisted I marry against my will. His people were content and said they only wished for him to take a wife. Now, it happened that Gualtieri already had his eye on a poor country girl from a village in his domains, and because she was also very beautiful, he was sure that she'd be a good choice for an obedient wife. And so, without bothering to extend his search, he decided he would marry this girl. Summoning her father, who was a shepherd in the hills about, he told him in not so many words that he would have his daughter as his wife. Gualtieri then gathered all the people from his far-flung lands and told them, My friends, as you wish me to take a wife, I will do so. Not because I want to marry, but to please you. You will remember, however, that I insisted you honour whichever lady I choose, no matter who. Now you must keep that promise. I have found a girl after my own heart from nearby here, and in a few days I will marry her and bring her to my house. Be sure, therefore, that the bridal feast is splendid, and think how you will honourably receive her as your lady, so that we are all happy with the choices we've made. All the people were delighted with what he suggested and promised to accept as their lady whoever he chose to be his wife. Preparations for a magnificent wedding were underway and a rich feast arranged to which Gualtieri invited his friends and family and all the nobles of the vicinity. He arranged for expensive dresses to be made up to fit a girl of his intended size and figure, and ordered several rings and decorative belts with a beautiful bridal crown of precious stones. In fact, everything a young woman could desire. Early on the morning of the wedding, Gualtieri mounted his horse and set off with his people in tow to the village and the house of the girl's father. As it happened, they met her returning with water from the nearby fountain, hurrying along so she could see Gualtieri's bride, little knowing it was her. When Gualtieri caught sight of her, he called to her by her name, which was Griselda, asking her where he might find her father. Blushing, she replied, My lord, he's at home. So... Gualtieri dismounted and telling everyone to wait for him outside, he went alone into the miserable little house where he found the girl's father, Gianna Coali by name. I've come to marry Griselda, 
Gualtieri said. But first, I want to ask her some questions with you present. He then asked her whether, should he marry her, she would do her best to please him and never be troubled by anything he said or did, whether she would obey him in all things and seek to please him above all else. To all of this, she answered yes. And so Gualtieri, taking her hand, led her from the house, and, before everyone present, his people, her neighbours, everyone, he ordered her to be stripped naked. Then he had brought the clothes and shoes that he'd had made and got her to put them on. After this, he placed the crown on her dishevelled hair. Now, everyone was a bit puzzled by all this, so he said, Gentlemen, this is the woman I wish to marry, as long as she will have me as her husband. Then, turning to Griselda, who hardly knew which way to look, he said, Griselda, do you want me to be your husband? To which she replied, My lord, yes. Then I will have you as my wife. And in front of everyone, he married her there and then. He then helped her onto a palfrey and led her back with all honour to his house. There, the wedding was as splendid and the rejoicing as fulsome as if he'd married the daughter of the King of France. The young woman seemed to take on a new life along with the new clothes. She had, in any case, a fine figure and a beautiful face, but she'd grown in confidence and gracefulness, so much that she seemed not the daughter of an old shepherd, but of some nobleman. As a result, everyone who'd known her before the wedding was astonished. At the same time, she was so obedient to her husband and served him so well, he considered himself the happiest and most contented man in the world. But she was also so kind and gracious towards her husband's subjects, there was no one who didn't love her and respect her, praying for her happiness, prosperity and glory. And while many had at first thought that Gualtieri had made a terrible mistake in marrying a peasant woman, they now thought him a model of wisdom and discernment for the world, for only he could have seen the qualities that lay hidden in the poor girl. She hadn't been with Gualtieri for long before she conceived a child, and when the time came, she bore him a daughter, much to his joy. But a little later, some new thought entered his mind, for how can men ever be content with the happiness they feel without wanting to prod it somehow, just to see if it's real. So, Gualtieri thought he'd test Griselda's patience by subjecting her to all sorts of provocations and making her life intolerable. So, at first he spoke to her harshly, pretending to be angry, and saying that the people were unhappy with her because she was poor and especially now she had born a child. And why a girl? Why not a boy to succeed him? Everyone, he said, was murmuring against him. 
Though she heard what he said, the lady showed no sign of discontent. Her face didn't change at all. But she said, Sir, do with me as you think best for your own honour and peace of mind, for I shall accept whatever you decide. I know better than anyone, I'm no one, and didn't deserve the great honour you did me. Gualtieri liked this reply, for it showed that she was in no way made proud by her marriage. A little while later, having let it be known to his wife that the people really couldn't abide the daughter she had borne him, he ordered one of his servants to go to her with certain instructions. Looking very sad indeed, the man said, My lady, if I don't wish to die, I must do as my lord instructs me. He's ordered me to take this daughter of yours and to... <sighs> but he choked on the last few words and couldn't finish. Griselda understood perfectly what her husband meant, that the poor man had been ordered to kill her child. So she quickly took her from the cradle, kissed her, gave her a blessing, and although she felt her heart was breaking without showing anything of this on her face, she handed the child over to the servant, saying, Take her, do exactly what my and your Lord has ordered, but I beg of you, don't leave her in such a way that she will be eaten by beasts and birds, unless those are your orders. The servant took away the little girl and told Gualtieri all that Griselda had said. The Marquis was astonished at her patience, so he sent the child to be raised and educated by a relative in Bologna, instructing her never to let on whose child she was. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Then it so happened that his wife became pregnant once more and eventually gave birth to a son, which should have been a huge pleasure to everyone, Gualtieri in particular. But he couldn't help but continue with his perverse course of action. And one day, he viciously pinned her to the wall and said angrily, Madam, from the day you bore this boy, my life has been made miserable by the people who resent the thought of a grandson of a shepherd succeeding me as their lord. So, unless I want to be deposed, I've no choice but to do as I did before. And more than that, I must leave you and take another wife. Griselda listened patiently, and all she said was, My lord, think of yourself only. Do as you see fit, and don't consider me at all, since it is only your pleasure that pleases me. Not long after, Gualtieri sent his son away like his daughter to Bologna, but allowed Griselda to believe the boy had been killed. 
His wife acted in exactly the same way to this misfortune as she had to the previous, in what she said and how she looked, much to the amazement of Gualtieri, who was sure no other woman could have endured so much misery with such patience. And if he hadn't seen beforehand how she had loved and doted on the children, he might have assumed she didn't care. Now, his subjects, believing he'd had his children killed, condemned him as a cruel tyrant, whilst his wife became the object of pity. But to those who tried to sympathise with her, she would only say that the father's decision was final, and she accepted it. Many years after the birth of his daughter, Gualtieri came to the decision that he must test his wife's patience one more time. So, he began to say that he simply couldn't put up with her as his wife any longer, having come to the conclusion he should never have married her in the first place. He would do everything he needed to obtain a divorce from the Pope so he could marry someone else. There was a lot of murmuring about this, but no one dared say anything openly. On learning what her husband intended, that she should go back to her father's house and tend sheep, while looking on as the man she loved more than anything married another woman, Griselda was filled with misery, but she was prepared to endure even this cruelty in the same way and with the same good temper as all the others. A little later, Gualtieri pretended to have received letters from Rome, leading his people to believe that the Pope had granted a divorce, freeing him to marry again. So, he sent for Griselda, and before all the court, said to her, Madam, I've had a dispensation from the Pope, allowing me to leave you and marry another. Since my family is noble and has ruled these lands for generations while you are merely a peasant, I cannot abide you as my wife any longer. You will go back to your father's house with the dowry you brought me, after which I shall bring another lady to this castle. I've already made my choice, a woman much better suited to someone of my nobility. Suppressing her tears, Griselda replied, My lord, I've always known I was not worthy of you. What I have, you and God have given me, not as a gift, but so that I might borrow for a while. And now I must give back to you everything with good grace. Here's the ring you gave me when I married you. As for the dowry, I remember you took me naked into your house, and if you wish it, I shall go naked to my father's again. But in return for my virginity, which I cannot retrieve, I ask you to allow me to take one underdress away with me. Gualtieri wanted to burst into tears, but with difficulty maintained a stern look. So be it. Everyone begged Gualtieri to let her have one of her dresses so that she might have some dignity on leaving his house. But he refused. And so Griselda, barefoot and wearing only a linen underdress, returned to her father. Gianna Quali, who'd always believed that Gualtieri would tire of his daughter one day, had kept the clothes she'd taken off at her wedding, 
So he gave them to her, and newly dressed as she had been before, Griselda set about all the chores that had been hers before she became a wife. Now, Gualtieri let it be known that he was betrothed to a daughter of a great family of Bologna, and having made arrangements for another fine wedding, he sent for Griselda. I'll soon be bringing home a new bride, and she will have an honourable welcome in my house, but I've no one here who can do all those things that are necessary to make the house and wedding truly spectacular. No one knows the house better than you, so I want you to take over all the arrangements, and when the nuptials are over, you can go back home to your father. His words were like so many daggers piercing Griselda's heart. But she replied, My lord, I'm ready to do as you ask. And so she went about doing all that was necessary to make the house ready to receive her husband's new wife. Linen was washed and laid on the beds, flowers were brought in and cooks were given their instructions. Tiles were swept and a great table was laid for a banquet on the castle terrace. Gualtieri's children had been raised and educated by his relative in Bologna. The girl was now 15 years old and lovely to behold, whilst the boy was 10. Gualtieri had sent word for the children to be brought to him, letting it be known to his relatives that anyone who asked should be told that the girl was on her way to marry the Marquis of Saluzzo. After a long journey, a little before breakfast, they arrived to find all the people waiting for a glimpse of Gualtieri's new bride. They made their way to the hall, and Griselda, with as good a grace as ever, greeted the girl she didn't know was her daughter, saying, My lady, you're welcome. And while some of the ladies present complained to Gualtieri that he might at least have lent Griselda a fine dress to wear for the occasion, instead of the old rags she'd come in, all eyes were fixed upon the young girl, and everyone praised Gualtieri for his excellent choice of bride, none more so than Griselda herself, speaking no less admiringly of the girl's little brother. Gualtieri had seen enough of his lady's patience. Nothing, no matter how cruel the blow, it seemed, could provoke even the slightest show of grief or anger in her. The time had come to free her from her misfortunes. So, he smiled at her for the first time in years, saying, What do you think of our new bride? My lord, replied Griselda, I think she will make you a very fine wife, and that she will bring you all the happiness a man could desire. But I beg you, with all my heart, not to treat her in the same way you treated her predecessor, for I doubt whether she could survive, not just because of her youth, but because of her upbringing, so different from the hardships I've grown used to from the moment I was born. Griselda, said Gualtieri in reply, you have been unfailingly patient over all these years, but for those who considered me a cruel tyrant, there has been a purpose to all this, for I wish to know 
that you loved me and not who I was. I feared I'd lose my peace of mind when I married, and to prove this I tormented and provoked you, as you know. But I'm convinced that you are the one to give me the happiness I've always craved, and I intend to restore you to all that you've lost. This girl, this boy, he went on, these are our children, the ones you and many others believed I had cruelly murdered. And I am your husband, who loves you above all else. He stood and embraced and kissed Griselda, who was now weeping openly for joy. The mother was dressed newly in fine robes and reunited with her children, and everyone acknowledged her once more as their lady and their mistress. Gualtieri was thought a very wise man, although most believe his treatment of Griselda to have been beyond wicked. But Griselda was thought the wisest of all. They lived a long and happy life, he never failing to honour his wife to the best of his ability. Need I say more? Even the heavenly spirits may descend to a shepherd's house. Whilst there are many born in palaces who deserve employment amongst the pigs and goats, who else but Griselda could have endured what she endured at the hands of Gualtieri? And maybe it would have served him right if, having driven his wife from the house in nothing but her underdress, she'd found happiness with some other man and a fine new robe to boot. The stories had ended. Filostrato, who had been thinking a great deal about all that had happened and how best to move on from their current situation, told his companions that the following day would mark a fortnight since their leaving Florence. They had sought refuge from the sadness, suffering and anguish in the city, as well as looking for a way to save their health and lives. In his opinion, they had succeeded in all the aims and done so without the least impropriety. They had coaxed themselves with racy tales, good food and wine and song, but had not succumbed to the least temptation. But now they might feel the routine to be in danger of becoming a little tedious. And besides, after so much time, tongues might be wagging. His proposal was that they should return to their homes on the following morning. Reluctant to leave so much beauty and joy, the others nevertheless agreed. So, at first light, Filostrato led his companions back to Florence. And once they'd parted company at Santa Maria Novella, some set off into the city in pursuit of new adventures, while others stayed a little longer in the shade of the church, before heading off to their homes. This episode of Passion and the Plague was narrated by me, Kevin Childs, and the storyteller, Elisa, was played by Claire Marshall. Subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen so you'll never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this story and want to read more from the Decameron, there's a link in the description to buy the book. Thank you for listening.